0: This is Jeff Chrisman, and I'm here today visiting with filmmaker Jacob Layton Burns with Planet Thunder Productions here at the Art Hall in Uptown in Oklahoma City. Jacob, thanks so much for taking the time today. Absolutely. Appreciate it. I thought what we might do to start out is, uh, since if I understand correctly, Shifter is the project that you're currently working on. Correct. If we could hear a little bit about just the concept and and kind of where things are at with that for you.
1: Absolutely. So Shifter is a time travel horror film uh, about a young woman who... Starts having these kind of side effects, these kind of painful and gruesome side effects after an experiment with time travel goes wrong, and she starts shifting through time uh, at random. Um, so it kind of came from I'm a big fan of horror movies, so I'm a big fan of time travel movies, and was like, what if I put those together? Um, <laughs> just put my favorite things together and see what happens. And so, um, uh, yeah, so where we're at right now is we're kind of in the middle of uh, crowdfunding, we've got an Indiegogo campaign that we're doing. Uh, we're getting pretty close to raising about half of our goal, which is really exciting. Um, and we've also done uh, auditions and stuff like that. So we're kind of in the final stages of casting right now.
0: Oh, very good. Very good. And I thought what we might do is maybe look back if you wanted to uh, talk a little bit about, you know, some of the projects that you've done previously and maybe get, you know, kind of a glimpse inside the mind, inside your mind to kind of understand your process and, and, and the way you look at things cinematically.
1: Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Um, I've been doing this, so I, I'm co-founder of Plant Thunder Productions, and that's made up of uh, me, my brother Zachary, and uh, our, our friend Vinnie Hogan, who currently lives in Austin, Texas. Uh, but we met in film school uh, almost 10 years oh, about 10 years ago now, um, and we kind of, uh, me and Zachary have been doing things together since we were kids. We got, a, got our hands on a VHS camera pretty early and, and started making movies. Um, Uh, quote-unquote movies, or whatever you want to call them. (laughs) Um, And then, uh, yeah, we we just kind of kept doing that. Uh, And then once we got to film school, uh, we met Vinny, and he started helping us out on shorts that were, like, school projects, but then we did a lot of stuff on our own, on the side. And then, um, yeah, just every time, things got bigger and better every time, and so eventually we just got into features, and um, we've done... Shifter will be our third feature. Our first one was called um, The Fable of Shannon Cable, which is a horror comedy musical that Vinny wrote and directed. Hmm. Um, and it is, uh, uh, it's weird, but I love it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we made that um, over the course of like a year and a half, shooting on nights and weekends whenever we could. And um, so what, we were just happy that it was like, you could watch it and it was, it was cohesive at the end of it. <laughs> but uh, um, so that was a lot of fun. We had some good success with that. And then we jumped into uh, my first feature as a director and writer um, Electric Nostalgia which was a sci-fi thriller Um, and um, we were very fortunate with a lot of success with that we ended up we were at we won Best Oklahoma Feature at the Dead Center Film Festival oh wow and then we uh, then we went on to play at the Austin Film Festival we were there at the same time as La La Land and other cool stuff like that so that was that was a huge huge honor and then yeah we just kind of it played kind of all over the country in various festivals and um, it's now available on Amazon and uh, uh, DVD and Blu-ray on our website, so oh, very good, pretty cool, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I'm wondering
0: too, in terms of well, you know, what it, I guess I would ask you, you know, in terms of experiences, you know, what it has it been like to uh, to make films in Oklahoma and, and you know here in Oklahoma City and just kind of to get your, to get an idea of maybe how you see the you know how you see things here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Oklahoma has been really incredible to us. Um, just the the community and and the the people involved and the local businesses and stuff like that have just been really embraced us and embraced uh, what we're trying to do. And so, um, especially things like electric nostalgia, we, we probably wouldn't have been able to make that anywhere else. Um, especially for as cheap as we did, just because so many people were willing to offer their time or their support or their, um, service or something like that for, um, for, for very little, um, in, in return. And so, um, hopefully in return we gave them a good movie, um, oh yeah. <laughs> but, uh. but yeah, no, it's been, um, it's really been great. Like, a, a, I, I get asked a lot if I plan to move somewhere else and really as of now, um, no, not really because the, we have so many resources here. So many great people, a great crew, um, that, uh, I think I can make bigger and better. Movies here than I could anywhere else. Oh yeah. yeah,
0: and I was wondering too for people who are you know who enjoy movies but maybe don't necessarily understand the process. I found myself here a few months ago. I've always you know really enjoyed independent film, yeah. and but I really didn't know anyone necessarily. I've you know I've done a few interviews yeah. with people who you know with filmmakers and, and learning a little more about it. But I thought it would be really interesting if you might want to share just a little bit about in terms of let's say you have a concept or yeah. a story. You know, getting an idea of maybe where it goes from there, as far, as far as the process that's involved, to give people a sense of you know what it takes to
1: do this. Yeah, absolutely. So, it the, the main thing to remember with with filmmaking is it just takes a really long time, <laughs> especially at our level. Um, uh, so, yeah. So it starts with the concept. So, for instance, Shifter probably started. Um, probably around two years ago was when I first kind of started putting the pieces together. Uh, Like I said earlier, kind of started with... kind of really started with that idea of, like, how do I... What's the horror of time travel? Like, what's an interesting aspect of time travel we haven't seen yet? Uh, And so from there, I kind of started developing that idea, um, and I kind of realized, well, you know, a lot of time travel movies kind of have kind of similar approaches. You've got the... uh, you got movies like Back to the Future where someone's kind of going back in time to like fix the timeline or something like that. And then you've got kind of the more like weird kind of puzzle box movies like um like Primer or something like that where it's it's kind of you're trying to put the pieces together. It's more of like a, a paradox movie type thing. And then you've got movies like um uh, kind of fish out of water movies like uh, even like Star Trek for the voyage home is the crew goes back to 70s uh, San Francisco and it's kind of it's actually more of a comedy um, and so you got a lot of movies like that too uh, but what I really couldn't really think of was like is there a horror uh, time travel movie um, and there's some that are like kind of thriller aspects and stuff like that but not not straight horror um, and so I kind of I started thinking about like well if you're traveling through time your, t- your body's being broken down into you know subatomic particles or whatever and and then being put back together and I figured well that that probably sucks that probably is painful <laughs> like <laughs> um, and so I started thinking about like well what does that do to a person's body how does that affect a person uh and then I also kind of thought like well then on top of that what if you couldn't control when it was happening you could be at home or at work or something like that and all of a sudden you start uh being in pain and, and start traveling through time, basically, and you don't know when or where you're gonna end up. Um, so yeah, so then it kind of developed from there. Um, I started thinking about like, well, well, okay, what would that what would that story look like with those ideas? Um, and that's kind of where I came up with what we've got now. Uh, and then so yeah, from there I I usually outline the script first, um, and then once I have a pretty solid outline, I'll jump into writing a first draft. Um, I tend to I tend to come up with the outline with my brother. Um, we both have a lot of similar ideas for what movies should be and stuff like that. So we usually kind of fill out the story together, and then I'm the one who actually sits down and writes it all. Um, and so in that part of the process, I don't usually let a lot of people see much what I'm doing because I don't want to be too... I kind of want to get whatever... I just want to throw up onto the page and just oh, get yeah. it out quickly. Uh, but then once I have kind of first draft done... Um kind of depends. First drafts, the the fastest first draft I wrote was in a month. I think this one took like three months, um, just because it was a little more difficult with the kind of time travel structure and stuff like that. I had to constantly go back and reread. I was like, okay, wait, we're going back in time to this thing, so I need to make sure that what I write here matches up with what happened then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then, uh, so there's a lot of stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, so then once I get to first draft, then I kind of bring in Zachary and Vinny. Uh, they read it, send me a bunch of notes, um, and then I just take another crack at the script. And so we go back and forth on that a few times. Um, so then at some point we decide okay, is this the, the movie that we're actually going to make? Um, and once that's decided, uh, then it starts kind of breaking down. Um, what we usually do is set a time frame that we want, that we hope to shoot the movie. Um, and then from there we say okay, if we want to shoot it in November. Let's. that gives us nine months between now and then to figure out well, how, how to make that happen and so we kind of start breaking it down from there I'm like okay well we need to figure out how we're going to get money, we need to figure out uh, who's going to be in the movie, we need to figure out locations we, so we start breaking down, we just can make kind of a to-do list for the next nine months basically uh, and start working through there. So for us we decided to go for an Indiegogo to raise our money so then we also had to start breaking down like okay... Moving then, so we need to make sure that we have the money by this point. So we need to start the Indiegogo around this time. So then we start kind of a separate to-do list of like, okay, what do we need to get ready for the Indiegogo? <laughs> but so, it's just it's really uh, for us. It's really handy to break things down into like tiny uh, deadlines, tiny um, uh, milestones, um, and then we kind of have a then we can kind of check back in our schedule and be like, okay, we got this done. We didn't do this, so we need to make sure we do this this month, and so stuff like that. Um, so, like I said, it's very—it can be tedious at times, but uh, but at the end of it, you get a movie, so it's pretty cool. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And as, far,
0: and as far as with the fundraising aspect of this, yeah. is is there is there kind of an art to you know in, in terms of keeping people involved through the process or keeping them engaged, you know, after they after they have uh, have contributed. You know, Absolutely. to this project as far as keeping people, uh, you know, engaged in
1: this, I was wondering about that. Yeah, so fundraising is a whole beast into itself. Um, so it is, we, we did an Indiegogo for Electric Nostalgia and we learned uh, a lot from that. Um, and so we were able to kind of take some of the lessons from that and apply them this time. So, the main thing we did was we spent a lot more time before launching Indiegogo. Uh, kind of building hype and also trying to get other people involved because that was the main thing with Nostalgia it was just me and Zachary and Vinny trying to do everything um, and um, really it's it's almost a full time job running like an indie because you just have to constantly have content out there multiple times a day constantly reaching out to people um, and so yeah it's definitely it's the the cool thing about doing a crowdfunding campaign is it's a really great just way to start building marketing and hype for your movie eventually. Oh, yeah. So like, you, you, not only do you get money, but you also, it's just a great way to get a lot of people hearing about the movie. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, um, so that's just kind of a cool side effect of it, and that's that's one one of the things we learned from nostalgia was just like how quickly that kind of took off. No one really knew who we were at that point, uh, but really once we put out the casting call, on, once we did the Indiegogo, it really spread because people are talking about it um, oh, yeah. really quickly, and there's a reason to talk about it. Um, and so um, so yeah that's kind of the, the, the two goals of a crowdfunding campaign uh, is what one number one priority is money um, and two and two is just getting the word out there um, so yeah it's um, what we did for Shifter was a few months before we launched the campaign we um, asked a bunch of people who had been supportive of us in whatever way over the last few years and who were Fans of our work um, to uh, meet with us. And so we had kind of a big meeting, kind of a meeting of the minds, and we kind of pitched them the movie, uh, kind of gave them an idea of what we we're wanting to do and what we we're wanting to shoot. Uh, and then we basically just did this huge, like, two hour brainstorming session of, like, okay, what are some ideas? What, do you, what would you guys want to see out of a campaign? What would you guys want to see uh, for this? Blah, blah, blah. And so we got a ton of ideas from that, and that really. Kind of helped give us a really good jumping off point. Uh, And then uh, from there, we kind of thought about um, how do we best, when do we need to actually announce the movie to the public so everybody knows what's coming. And so, anyways, we had these, we ended up calling our our team of people uh, Shifties. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) our Shifty team. I like it. (laughs) Uh, So we had a few more meetings with them. throughout the months and so then we would enlist them to help us with things like um, we. what we decided to do was announce the movie right before Dead Center uh, specifically the casting call so then we could uh, use that as a talking point uh, at Dead Center so we announced it right before Dead Center uh, and so what we did was we got a bunch of stickers that say shifter on them uh, and had our, gave, handed them out to our shifty team and then they all went to Dead Center, and we're handing out stickers and stuff like oh, that. Oh wow! So we got a huge, really great saturation of movie fans because they're at Dead Center, um, yeah. and, and and independent movie fans specifically, um, knowing about our movie very quickly. And so it was funny. Like while I was there, I'd be like, "Hey, you want a sticker?" And they'd like turn their pass around, and they'd already have a shifter sticker. <laughs> in there and I'd be like, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's perfect. And so yeah, it was really great having kind of a team to help with that. Um, And then the biggest thing with uh, crowdfunding campaigns is what what everybody uh, thinks is you turn, you launch your campaign, and then people just come to you and they're just throwing your money at you. And unfortunately, that's not the case. (laughs) Unfortunately, it is a, uh, you have to, uh, it's it's like pulling teeth um, just because, you you know, how many campaigns, how many things do people come to you asking for money and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. You just kind of, you just kind of, Get tired of like you're just, or you, you, know, you learn to ignore it or whatever, and so it 's kind of a, a struggle getting people to, to really be like understand your passion and why you think it should be made and stuff like that um, so really it, it really comes down to uh, it 's not just about posting really most donations and stuff like, and co- contributions we get come from us personally messaging people or calling people or texting people and so that's what a lot of our time is spent with and so that's another reason why the the shifty team is so helpful because then they can expand kind of our our bubble of people goes beyond just what who me and Zachary and Vinny know oh Um, yeah so that's been very helpful as well um and then uh yeah other than that it's like I said you just got to keep at it every day you can't really take a day off from it Um, uh, because you never know there's always surprises there's some people you don't think are going to give anything and then they give a lot Mm. Um, and then um, so um, yeah it's it's uh, it's not the most fun thing in the world but it is pretty satisfying once it's done once you accomplish what you're going for oh
0: yeah and i would imagine just to get to the point where you've raised those funds and you can begin you know begin shooting and i would imagine that's like a whole other whole other experience (laughs) yeah exactly yeah yeah Yeah. the money
1: is just like the first stage (laughs) um to get that then we finally get to go into pre-production which i can't wait for that's where we really get to start creating so oh yeah. yeah and then as far
0: as the i'm wondering too uh in terms of the local aspect of that is that is that really you know what things come down to is that you really have to have if I understand you correctly you, you know you really want to build a local following uh, in terms of being able to get the support not only to you know get the movie funded but yeah. also to in terms of getting you know people's awareness and so those, those are the people that come out to see it and tell exactly. other people. And so really it's interesting how, how film, you know, cinema has changed yeah. <laughs> over the years and that, you know, it is really possible
1: now on a local level to yeah. do this. And yeah. It's amazing. Um, yeah. We've definitely looked to much, much bigger companies than us, how they've uh, done things, you know, even like, especially early on, we talked a lot about how Pixar has kind of built this following of the masses where um, it, you really almost don't care what the next Pixar movie is about. You're like, oh, it's a Pixar movie. I guess I'm going to go see it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so, like, that's kind of been our goal with Planet Thunder is people just see you're here, Planet Thunder and they go, oh, I guess I'm going to the new Planet Thunder. Like, and Hopefully they, hopefully they do care what it's about. But but <laughs> but if they don't, they still show up. Um, that, that's kind of um, what we're kind of aiming for. And just, just kind of like we're looking at kind of the um, kind of old model of making movies and stuff like that. Um, and being very focused on for years and years um, DVD was where you you wanted to be, you wanted to get on DVD um, because that was just a huge market but now with streaming and stuff like that, that market's dwindling very 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 quickly, Um, Mm. it's really not as big a market anymore Um, and so um, kind of what we're aiming for is kind of, yeah so we start kind of building a a local fan base and then we're trying to kind of expand so We've got pretty decent saturation here in our hometown, in Oklahoma City, uh, but now with Shifter especially, so we, when we did the casting call, we extended it beyond just Oklahoma City. We extended it to Tulsa and Dallas and um, Austin. Oh, okay. And so um, in hopes that now we're kind of breaking the bounds of just Oklahoma, now we can start getting a base everywhere. And so hopefully with every movie, we just get a little bit bigger, a little few more people on board. Um and just kind of so eventually hopefully we don't have to rely so much on uh distributors and stuff like that. Hopefully we have enough big enough base of people, uh fan base, uh that they are um, kind of following us with every project that we do so then we can kind of make the stuff that we actually want to make versus making the um kind of what distributors want you to make, which they you know they want very um, less, they they don't want a lot of art in their movies. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Gotcha. <laughs> Basically, they gotcha. want, they want like specific things that they know will sell. Uh, but like what we kind of believe is that like now with the way the internet's moving and the way just technology is, it's a little bit easier to find kind of your niche audience. Um, and so if you can kind of cater to them, um, that's what has been really cool. Just with Planet Thunder so far is like we don't really have a huge. Following necessarily, um, especially compared to some of the other filmmakers even around here. Um, but what we do have is very engaged and very supportive and very loyal. Oh yeah. And then they do kind of go with us every time, and so that's 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 really cool when when you see the same people at all your events and stuff like that. Kind of following is like, okay, yeah, maybe we're doing something right. Oh absolutely. yeah, that's what I was going to say. And, and as you were talking about that, I was getting the sense of you know it's
0: interesting that you mentioned art as far as you know yeah. distributors and. In terms of art, with in movies, there are, you know being a form of art. I was really getting the sense as you were talking that this is very similar. You know, we're sitting in here actually looking yeah. at works of art from you know local artists, artists yeah. in Oklahoma, and I'm, it, this really sounds like this is an approach that you know visual artists have used for years as far as building a local following. And I realize there's some visual artists that you know they have a regional or yeah, a statewide, yeah. but it's almost as if I could see how it would be very tempting to start this and. <laughs> you know, want this to be a nationwide thing right out of the box and just, you know, gain national notoriety. But it's, I really love this approach because it sounds to me like a much more holistic approach, you know, as far as you have people that you're reaching out to for funding with casting calls and it's, you know, you're, you're trying to give people an opportunity to be a part of this and support it. And at the same time, as they find out more about what you're doing and they love what you're doing. They want to be a part of it, so it feels like it's a real community.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's been a cool thing. It's definitely kind of a very kind of grassroots approach, where it's just kind of we, instead of trying to go straight to the top, we're kind of trying to build, and then hopefully, you know, a few years from now, we'll look around and be like. Oh wow, we're really high up here now. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> no, but I really
0: love that. I think you know, being willing to actually take the time to grow this, you know, in an organic way, and, yeah. and as you say, have people that are really loyal and really want to be a part of this. Yeah. That, you know, you know that, and I guess now with all the noise in the social media environment, and just in the media environment in general. It's so easy to get lost in all that and yeah. it seems like that's, this is really one of the most powerful ways to approach this yeah. is that you really develop you know personal relationships with people and, and really get to know that in the end at the same time they get to know you guys and really know what you, you guys are all about yeah. and, and what your philosophy is and yeah. you know what, what spurs you on to make to make films. Yeah
1: yeah, it's really cool.
0: And as far as influences, I was going to ask a little bit about, uh, in your earlier life, were there any particular uh, movies
1: that were formative for you or any particular uh, filmmakers? Totally. Um, So I actually was very fortunate. Our dad was a huge movie buff, so I ended up watching a lot of uh, movies at a very young age that a lot of people don't see until much later in life, if, if at all. And so, like, even in, like, second grade and stuff like that, we were watching silent movies, like Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton and stuff like oh, that. Oh, wow. Um, and, uh, and so uh, Marx Brothers and all those guys, and then the Universal Monster movies were really big. Uh, huge fan of them. I'm actually wearing a Frankenstein shirt right now. <laughs> 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 um, but, uh, yeah, so... Uh, and, of course, we were also, uh, for the right age, for Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers and all that that fun stuff, too. So we kind of had a really pretty well-rounded uh, love of uh, kind of filmmaking and film entertainment and stuff like that. And so really, really young age, I I actually um, was in third grade when I told my uh, school counselor that I was going to be a movie director when I grew up. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. Wow. Um, so yeah, I just kind of always had a love for, for movies. And um, uh, I think, well, the first... Thing I kind of noticed with movies, and probably who I when I figured out what a director was, was that I had a lot of favorite movies when I was a kid, like ET and Jurassic Park and stuff like that. And I suddenly started to realize there's one name that's like on all of these movies, and it was Steven Spielberg. Hmm. Um, and so that was kind of my first kind of like, okay, who's the Spielberg guy? Hmm. Uh, and started realizing that a lot of the movies that I loved, he had um, directed. And so that was kind of my first foray into. Uh, kind of learning okay what does the director do it's kind of the first time realizing okay there's a person who actually makes these things there's one guy who makes all these decisions uh and so um so yeah he was definitely kind of a really huge influence early on and then um kind of later in life i think like around high school i started seeing uh, some other movies another movie that just really kind of uh uh really stuck out to me was uh, Fargo by the Coen Brothers oh yeah um, that was one of those movies I was just like oh wow you can do that with movies um, that's crazy um, and then uh, Dog Day Afternoon by Sidney Lumet was another huge one where I was just like oh wow like it's just such a really amazing balance of it's just a really great dramedy and like it's it's funny it's really really funny sometimes and then other times you're just like it's just breaking your heart oh uh, yeah it's a really really great movie um, and so that was another one I was just like, oh wow, I didn't know movies could make me feel like that. Um, so, um, yeah, and then, uh, through the years, so yeah, Coen Brothers have been a big one, um, I love, um, and then, uh, actually started getting kind of a bit more into, like, horror movies actually a little later in life. I loved the Universal Monsters movies as a kid, but I really didn't watch that much horror beyond that, uh, until later, uh, but once I kind of discovered, like, John Carpenter and David Cronenberg and stuff like that, I was like, oh, wow, like, it was, it was kind of... I had, like, this view that horror movies were kind of more, like, slasher stuff like that, and I wasn't mm. as much into that. Uh, but once I realized, like, they could be, uh, like, uh, David Cronenberg's The Fly, is it's really, like, a character drama where a guy turns into a fly and his skin falls off and stuff like that. And that was, so it was kind of a... a Kind of a little bit of a revelation that you could kind of have these kind of interesting character movies, kind of wrapped in a horror package, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and I'm wondering too, when you're as you're talking about that, is there it, are there horror movies that don't necessarily have a lot of violence in them? Is it? I, I guess for some reason I maybe, and I have, I, I have watched some of those, but yeah. I guess there's a tendency in my mind sometimes to pigeonhole that and think that there has to be a lot of violence, but yeah, I, mean, yeah, I guess am I misunderstanding that, or is it is it possible to really do horror in a different way with developing strong
1: characters and not, not having so much of the violence? Yeah, totally. Um, like, the, a lot of the horror movies that I prefer um, are the ones that I kind of watch over and over again are the ones that aren't necessarily, um, like, the jump out scary, like, stuff like that. I actually prefer things that are really more based in, like, atmosphere um, and character, and so... Um, usually there's uh, um, usually in horror movies there's usually some sort of a violence or bad thing that happens to somebody but, um, <laughs> but, but um, there are movies like um, It Follows uh, came out a couple of years ago. Um, it's really great um, and it's, it's definitely more kind of an atmospheric moody um, uh, um, film and uh, yeah it's really cool. And then, um, let's see, what are some others? Um, Caught me on the spot. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, let's see. Yeah, there's, let's see, I'm trying to think of a good one. I mean, I love The Shining, Um, it's another one that's just got a lot of atmosphere. Um, Well, Sixth Sense is a good example um, of something that, like, uh, the, there's ghosts and there's scary images and stuff like that, but it's not necessarily about a monster going around killing people. Hmm. Uh, and then um, yeah, there's a few other examples. Um, I'm just going drawing a blank right now. But oh, I know- sorry. About <laughs> <that>. <laughs> is is it almost really about? I'm almost
0: wondering if it's. Also, about not you know I, I realize there's you know, in terms of the violence of that that's one thing, mm-hmm. but is is a lot of this really too about the at least for you, maybe about the lead up or the way it feels, yeah, you know the, whether there's anticipation or you're uncertain about what's gonna happen next and just yeah. the way it makes you feel inside
1: yeah, exactly, like I feel like the, the the way they can build tension and then they can like use these kind of uh supernatural elements or science sci-fi elements or stuff like that to kind of open up the possibilities for new types of stories um, like um, but like I mentioned it follows earlier like it's kind of a it's so it's movie about this creature that just uh, is kind of this It's it's almost like a zombie but it could be anybody Mm. um, and look like anything uh, but it just kind of slowly walks towards you no matter where you are and so you can easily get away from it but no matter where you go it's always coming for you Um, and so uh, it's really just kind of this creeping terror uh, kind of moody piece but it's also about being a teenager and about uh, growing up and stuff like that Uh, and then um, we've got other movies like uh Like the fly I mentioned that earlier um, it's it it's more about a, a guy uh kind of unchecked ego and unchecked hubris and and how thinking uh, you know getting so caught up in uh, you know the, the the science and the discovery and not thinking about the human element and forgetting that. The, 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 this is very dangerous <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> uh, and stuff like that and so yeah I, I really love uh the films like that that can um oh baba Duke is another good example mm. where it's kind of a, uh there is a monster uh but it, it's kind of a representation of uh grief and uh depression and stuff like that and so yeah. it's really cool when you can use. or sci-fi to kind of explore these things that might be kind of tough to explore in a drama um, but you can kind of make it in a way that's um, uh, just you can just take a new approach to it kind of an interesting way to look at Issues. Oh yeah, and I wonder
0: sometimes. I was just thinking too, if, you know, sometimes if the monster's inside, in yeah. other, and I'm saying a metaphor of a monster, not you know, Absolutely. not an evil monster that would hurt people, but yeah. it's, you know, what we do to ourselves sometimes in terms of our own emotional turmoil, exactly. and habits of thought, and things like that. Yeah. So sometimes it kind of feels like it's kind of from it's kind of an inside job. So to speak. yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, that's one thing I really love about like the Universal monster movies, like Frankenstein and the Wolfman and stuff like that. Was what's what's interesting about those movies that really hasn't been replicated very much. Uh, since then is that the the, the monsters are really the main characters um, to a certain extent. And, like, you really um, uh, care about, you know, like, the wolf man. uh, He's the one killing everybody, but he feels so bad about it. like He wants to stop it. Like, he can't stop it. Uh, And so, um, yeah, like, and that's just an interesting idea. And then, like, Frankenstein as well. Like, it's kind of how this this monster was created and he didn't ask to be created and he didn't ask to be, you know, shut. he was actually trying to, he's trying to do good things and then he throws a little girl into a pond that she drowns, but he, has, he doesn't understand what he's doing. And so it's just very, uh, very tragic and very sad. And so like, I really love, uh, that's just another thing I love about horror. It's just one of those things that you can do uh, that I think um, hasn't been done as much late, lately. We've had some really good horror movies in the last few years, but um, but yeah, I feel like those Universal monster movies. I feel like we, no one's really been able to replicate what, mm. what they did.
0: Yeah, it's a very interesting way that in which that, that that's approached and the yeah. way it's presented and developed. And, yeah. and I'm wondering too, as far as that, you know, kind of looking back on you know, all the work that you've done previously, uh, if you could speak to maybe looking, you are know, kind of taking a long view and looking back, and can you see? Anything in terms of how, you know, the most important ways in which this has changed you after going through this process or maybe looking at, you know, the, the you of today versus the you at the beginning of your film career?
1: Totally, totally. Um, I'm a much more confident person now. Um, I, you um, um, I'm a much more, um, what's the word? I just kind of have a better, clearer idea of what I want and how to get it. Um, And a better understanding, probably probably patience is another (laughs) good (laughs) thing. That's probably a big thing I've learned uh, over the years. It's just like, okay, I know I want these things eventually, but I know I'm not going to get there if I don't take these steps first. And so, um, yeah, those are probably the two biggest things. I just feel um, uh, I actually, when I went to film school, I actually wasn't planning to be a writer director i was actually going to go more in a camera uh Hmm. route and um i do still uh, do a lot of that as well i do a lot of freelance cinematography and stuff but um i at the time the film program was very new and so there wasn't a lot happening yet and so there was no one for me to be a camera guy for uh, to Hmm. learn and do that so i started uh, making my own stuff to give myself the opportunity to uh uh get some practice with the camera and then of course got the filmmaking bug and couldn't stop (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) I was like oh wow directing's really cool Um, so uh, uh, but yeah so anyways but yeah so from there I kind of um, uh, I've always been you know fairly insecure guy like a lot of artists were like insecure kind of introverted uh, quiet people Uh, but over the years I've really kind of uh, become much more confident much more um, uh, kind of okay with myself, yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, oh, yeah. like kind of, kind of accepting of myself and who I am, uh, which has been really, uh, really great. And just you know, like uh, have met so many cool people, uh, and just very, very made a lot of great friends over the years uh, because of filmmaking. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's been it's been really huge for me. As a as a person, especially the last few years.
0: Oh yeah, and I was going to say, just thinking about, uh, and I really admire you know you know what you're talking about as far as far as those qualities and yeah. how that's developed. Because I'm sitting here thinking, there's you know there's such an aspect. I would think of vulnerability. I mean, you're yeah. coming up with this idea that comes forth from you, and then you have to. You know, show this to other people and hope that they're going to see some, see what you see, (laughs) or at least something similar to what you see. And then the patience aspect—that you know, realizing this isn't something that you just come up with a story and then you shoot it the next day. That this really is a longer term longer term timeline yeah. and you know the project takes time to come to fruition and that you can, to sit with that and be willing to continue to believe in yourself and believe in your partners and yeah. and all of all the supporters that are part of the, the family, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that is, uh, that's tremendous. It's, it's a lot.
1: Yeah. And so, yeah, you have to be, you have to be pretty confident that people are going to be okay with the idea, you know, two years after you've first started shooting or whatever. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, um. Uh, Which it's hard to be that confident sometimes, but yeah, you kind of, uh, that's probably just another thing, just like trusting my instincts and trusting my gut um, has been just another thing that I've just really developed. Over the last few years,
0: yeah. Oh yeah, because I could see that would be a real temptation to yeah. constantly, you know, as you're going through the process of making a film or even writing, yeah, the screenplay. Just you know, the you know, you could be very easy to second guess, and after you've absolutely. done it, you know, wondering about this and that
1: and picking it apart. So, yeah, yeah it's, exactly. Yeah, that is uh, that's huge. Yeah, I see it happen a lot, especially with young filmmakers. Like they keep trying to write the perfect. They don't want to shoot something until it's like absolutely perfect on the page or whatever uh and i get that that feeling but at some point you just have to say Mm. nope we gotta shoot it like there's always some there's always more things you can do and so especially if you're a new filmmaker you just at some point cut it off and say nope this is what i'm doing this is when i'm doing it this is when it's done uh and so there's actually a pretty funny uh quote from uh, uh one of the guys at pixar said that pixar movies don't get finished uh they get released very interesting. Yeah, <laughs> wow, that, that's food for thought. Yes, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that's that's really how it is with movies. Like just at some point, you just have to cut it off and say, "Okay, wow, we have to get it out there." Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, Jacob, this has been fantastic. This has been really enlightening. And I feel like I've learned a lot, and I really appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much. So much.